I'm here to make everybody uncomfortable. I hope I'm I hope I'm doing a good job. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 284. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Perlman, and I am joined this evening, afternoon, morning drive to work by the one and only Samantha Har. That's me. And the one and only Charles Federer. Good evening, afternoon, morning. Yeah. Is this is this the second episode where we've had everybody? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, aren't we just, you know, all all three of us, um, we're bros, right? Yes. We're, we're yeah. bros. Kind of. Bros. Yes. Yeah, we're all bros. Yeah. Am I allowed to be a bro? What's that? Am I allowed to be a bro? Yeah. You want to be a bro? Yes. I can be a bro. And and uh, as bros, we must all follow the bro code. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Tell me, tell me more about this bro code, Well, the bro, bro code, bro, is the set code for Brothers War, which is what we're going to actually be talking about this episode. The Brothers War release notes episode. So all the sets in Brothers War are coded with that little handy dandy BRO at the bottom. So you know that this set is bros. Uh, the commander cards. Uh, so all the, the fancy little cards that are going to be in set boosters or cards that are in the commander decks are going to have BRC as their code. Burke. Yep, Burke. And then... <laughs> There's going to be some retro faint frame cards in packs as well. They're going to be they're going to function a lot like artifact mystical archives and their code is going to be BRR. Burr. So, so they're so they're Red, cold. Retro frames go burr. Yeah, it was more like money machine go burr. Yeah. That yeah. works too. Yeah. Okay, so we know that the bro bro cards are standard legal, okay? The commander cards, the Burke, the brick cards, are going to be uh, permitted in commander legacy vintage. The retro frame cards, like the mystical archives, are going to be legal. Oh, this is great. They're going to be legal for play in any format where a card with the same name is permitted. So they're legal wherever they're legal, because that makes sense, right? I, I mean, kind of, kind of, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. You Good can enough. play. You can play them wherever you can play them. Cool. Uh, there's also going to be some Transformer cards in this set, which we opted not to talk about. We Optimus not to talk about. But their code is going to be Bot. <laughs> that took me a second. Oh, that's really I'm sorry. good, though. <laughs> What's that? The whole Optimus, the Optimus yes. thing. That, that that took me a second. Uh, but the, the Bot code is great. Bot code's funny. And I am a huge, huge Optimus Prime fan. Uh, one of the funny things is uh, about 10 months ago, I was fussing at Jess about all these Universe Beyond cards, and I told her, I was like, I hate them, I hate them all, however, the second you guys make an Optimus Prime Magic card, I'm gonna get like a dozen of them. And he's like, huh, and, I'm like, and you know, the conversation just keeps going, and then when uh, these these cards come out, he he just kind of laughed at me. You know, he's like, he's like, ha ha ha, sucker. I'm like, yep. Key, 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 key. Key, key, key. <laughs> yep. All right. So, Brothers Wars got some neat stuff. It's got some fun stuff. Uh, what's, what's, uh, what are the, what are some of the set mechanics? So, well, interestingly enough, it looks like we have one main new set mechanic. 
Um, and, and that is Prototype. Uh, prototype is a mechanic that lets you cast a smaller version of a big creature, kind of like a, a prototype of it. Uh, oh. each, each prototype card has a second set of mana costs and power and toughness box inside its rule box. So a card like Blitz Automaton, which uh, is uh, seven mana for an artifact creature construct that's hasty and is a 6-4, also has a second box inside of it that lets you cast it as for two and a red, and you get a 3-2 hasty creature. Sounds like fun, right? Uh, but wait. That does sound like fun. Yeah. But wait, you say, is it, a, is it a red card or is it a colorless card? Which is it? And prototype cards are colorless cards in every zone except the stack or the battlefield. On the stack or battlefield, they are either colorless if you cast it normally, or if you cast it as a prototype spell, that spell has the mana cost and power toughness from the prototype text box. The permanent the spell becomes will also have the prototype's mana cost and power toughness. Okay. So it's going to be an exception to the new, new object, new zone, or new zone, new object rule. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, if, if the spell leaves the stack in some way, or if the prototype permanent leaves the battlefield, it immediately re- reverts back to its non-prototype values. Uh, all the other stuff, name, abilities, types, those all stay the same. Only mana cost and power toughness change when prototyping. And color, of course. Prototype functions from any zone that the spell can be cast from. If an effect lets you cast a creature from the graveyard, you can cast Blitz Automaton as a colorless 6-4 or as a red 3-2. So here's a neat thing. Casting a prototype spell isn't the same as casting for an alternate cost. Alternate costs may be applied to a spell cast this way. If a spell lets you cast Blitz Automaton without paying its mana cost, you can cast it as either the prototype 3-2 or the big bad 6-4. I think I'd want it to be the 6-4, but, you know, there there may be a good reason to have it as a Mm 3-2. When casting a prototype spell, You use the prototype characteristic to to determine if it's legal to cast. So if something lets you cast a red spell, you can only cast Blitz Automaton for its prototype cost. So I guess like one of the Chandra, like you can, you know, cast a red spell. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Right. And you you can't sit there and say, hey, it's the it's the Blitz Automaton, but I'm just going to cast it as its big bad self. You, You have to cast it as the prototype self. Big bad self. Big bad self. So uh, if an effect copies a prototype spell, that copy will have the same characteristics as the prototyped spell. Same thing with things that make token copies of a prototyped permanent. So, uh, Brian, what happens yeah. when a player places a power toughness sticker on prototype Blitz Automaton? Uh, it goes to the graveyard and is brought back to the battlefield from the graveyard. Okay, so I see in the notes you say Brian glowers in the microphone. <laughs> and I was actually doing that. <laughs> we we know you were we know you were yeah <laughs> we know we know brian okay i as i understand it and i could be wrong and if i am wrong i need to get smart on this very quick but the power and toughness sticker stays on so you're going to be casting as the prototype but it's still got that power and toughness sticker that's power and toughness sticker is still in layer seven two so it's still going to have that power and toughness right I think so, unless it comes back as a non-prototype self, and then it probably comes in with the um, no. other so. power toughness. But I don't know, because the power toughness, you would overlay it over... I don't know. I don't know how yeah. it works. 
they they put out the comp rules summary today but it's just the summary but since they're saying that prototyping is not an alternate cost it's and these things get the characteristics i'm actually thinking that there it's it is just the copyable characteristic i mean i mean even even the 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 faqs that we've got it's the power and toughness of either prototype card is the copyable characteristic which means it's underneath the power and toughness sticker interesting hmm. okay. see i wrote that there as a throwaway just because you know I, I thought it'd be funny to get you to talk about stickers again oh but 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 that's now you've done that's, it. Now I've gone and done it, right? Now you've made me done now think you've about, done it. Now you've done and made me think about stickers legitimately. Winning. I know I need I know I need to like really care and pay attention to the stickers thing. I've just been putting it off for as long as I can. You you do not need to pay attention to stickers. Well, wait, hold on now. We did a podcast. I have I have absolutely let that just leak right out of my memory. Well, I'm actually I'm actually doing a Judge Academy first week on unstuff in in tournaments in two days so i best you know get up that's such an interesting topic for you specifically to be doing i can't wait to hear it i'm going to make time out of my day to listen to that one oh be sure to be sure to sit in the chat and and throw really challenging questions so so daniel (laughs) daniel described it to daniel described it to me as less like me giving a presentation and us just talking about like things that could come up like a discussion into what can come up in, in policy because we don't have a policy doc for stickers yet. So it's sort of like in lieu of policy, let's just talk about, uh, you know, speaking of things that we should talk about, let's actually talk about Brothers War cards instead of... Rabbit holing? Instead of stickers, yes. Or else this episode <laughs> will be like four hours and take me forever. Oh, yeah. To, You're trying. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. We Back got a hurricane topic. coming. <laughs> we got a hurricane coming, boys. All right. Meld cards. So, y'all remember Meld. Um, meld is a way to combine two permanents into one larger permanent represented by the two cards. Um, y'all last saw this in Eldritch Moon, and I thought this was the coolest thing ever. Um, well, now we have three more pairs of Meld cards. Um, when Titania or Urza or M- Misha? Is it, is it Misha or Mishra? Mishra. Okay. It's like, is there one, another one I didn't know about? Okay. When Titania or Urza or Mishra meld, the result is a single creature that repre- that is represented by two cards. If the melded creature dies, you put both cards in the graveyard. As it leaves the battlefield, both the cards are turned face up. If you put them on the top or bottom of your library, you choose their order. Um... One card in each meld pair contains the instruction on when, how to meld them, if so it will tell you to exile the two cards and meld them, and if you control more than one permanent with the same name, like, say, Argoth, Sanctum of Nature, then you choose only one to meld with, ti- to meld with Titania, Voice of Gaia. Um, meld cards are not double-faced cards, and you cannot transform them. That would be cool, but nah. Um, when the cards are exiled and meld, they each leave the battlefield and enter the battlefield as a new object, of course. Uh, meld cards always have the characteristics of their front face in all zones except the battlefield, where it has the characteristics of the face that is up. While a melded permanent is on the battlefield, it only has the characteristics of its combined back face. That being said, when determining the mana value of the melded permanent, it's the sum of the mana values on the front faces. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So just there was a lot of like front and backs and stuff like that. When you've got a melded permanent on the battlefield, 
Okay, the backside is, uh, it's sunny side up. Okay, so you look at those characteristics, and those are characteristics. You don't look at the front faces of the cards. You're only looking at the, the back. Meldy side up. Yep, meldy side up to determine all the characteristics, except when determining the mana value. For determining the mana value, you take a little peeksy on the back, and you add those the two cards up, and that's your new, that's your mana value. Correct. Meldy side down. <laughs> meldy side down. That's very silly. Um, all right. <laughs> Copies of melded permanents only have the characteristics, only have the characteristics of the, the, the face upside. And can't see the front faces to get the mana values because they are copies. They don't. They didn't copy that bit. Um, that even includes a merged permanent that becomes a copy of another merged permanent. Yeah. If an effect moves a melded permanent to a new zone, and something affects that card, it affects both cards. Um, if an effect lets you choose a card name, you can choose the combined back face of a meld pair. You can choose the the meldy name. The meldy. If you name. try the yeah the melderific name. If you try to do something cute with copy effects, you are going to be disappointed. See, I, I always end up disappointed anytime I try to do anything with copy effects. That's just not my, it's not my jam. <laughs> um, if you are instructed to meld permanents that can't be melded, they will stay in their current zone, which is very likely exile. Yeah, don't, don't try to do things you can't do. Easy, easy peasy. Um, in Commander, a, a meld card's color identity is determined only by the mana cost slash symbols on the front face. You do not consider the meldy side. Um, if one of the meld cards is your commander and it's in a meld pair, that melded permanent is your commander. And here's a note, and because we just had Infinity, if one or more cards with stickers on them enter the battlefield as part of a melded pair, all those stickers are on the permanent that that object becomes on the battlefield. They maintain their relative timestamp order. Yeah. Thanks, Infinity. Yeah. Now... Every time we have a set, we're going to have to say, oh, and stickers. Thanks, Infinity. <laughs> like, thanks, Obama. Just every time. Thanks, Rosewater. All right. Next up, oh, you just unearthed an old joke. Ugh. <laughs> Unearth is back, uh, fittingly, and then it'll be exiled at the end of this set. But Unearth is kind of like flashback Ooh. for creatures, or was... Bro, we can now unearth artifacts. All right. So we got two That's examples. flavorful. Yeah. Ashnod's Harvester is a two-mana, two-colorless mana, or two-generic mana for a 3-1 artifact creature construct. It says whenever Ashnod's Harvester attacks, exile target card from a graveyard. It's got unearth for one and a black. And then we have Mishra's Research Desk, which is just a plain old artifact for one mana. For one... Tap, sacrifice Mishra's work research desk. Exile the top two cards of your library. Choose one of them until the end of until the end of your next turn. You may play that card. Unearth one of red. Okay, so unearth is an activated ability. Okay, it's in the graveyard. You are activating it from the graveyard. It isn't casting the creature. The unearth ability goes on the stack, but the creature is put on the battlefield when it resolves. It's not a spell. I'll say that again. You're not casting it. It's not a spell. You just boop, pick it up, put it in the battlefield. Dig it up. Yep, you are digging it up. If the unearth card leaves the graveyard before the unearth resolves, the unearth ability does nothing because it ain't there no more. All right. At the beginning of your next end step, the unearthed creatures and artifacts are going to be exiled. 
This is a delayed trigger that can be countered by effects that counter triggers, or, uh, and I finger quotes, killed by abilities that end the turn. Okay, if the delayed trigger is countered, it's not going to trigger again. Uh, you know what? I just realized that I have been talking as though people know what unearth means. I should probably read what it does. Um, unearth means you pay the you pay the uh, cost, and you're going to return this card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It's going to gain haste, and you're supposed to you need to exile it at the beginning of your next end step, or if it would leave the battlefield, and you can only unearth anytime you could uh, do a sorcery, okay? All right, so that delayed trigger, which is basically exile at the beginning of the next end step, or if it would leave the battlefield, if uh, the end of turn, if the turn is ended with the trigger on the stack, it's not gonna trigger again. So if you counter it, or if you end the turn or something like that, that at the beginning of your the next end step, exile it, that's not gonna happen again. However, the replacement effect that exiles the creature if it goes anywhere other than the battlefield, that doesn't go away, so that's not part of the trigger. Okay, that's just a that's just a replacement effect. So, if an unearthed permanent would leave the battlefield for any reason, it's gonna go to exile. So, if it goes into the hand, it's gonna get exiled. If it goes to the graveyard, it's gonna get exiled instead. If it gets um, if it gets shuffled into the library, it's gonna go get exiled instead. Okay, if it gets exiled, whatever effect is exiling it is just gonna happen because the ability says. This is one of the differences where the reminder text and the rules text are slightly different, okay? The actual rules text for Unearth says exile it if it would go anywhere else. Okay, so if it's already going to exile, then it's just going to keep doing that thing, okay? Uh, unearth also grants haste to the unearthed permanent. The permanent has haste. Even if it's just a plain old artifact, it's going to gain haste. So I guess if your vehicle somehow gains an unearth, it's got haste, so it would be able to attack if you crew it, but the exile abilities, the thing that says exile at the beginning of the next end step or if it would leave the battlefield, those abilities are not given to the permanent. So if you do something like you cast Dress Down or you cause it to lose all, the unearthed creature to lose all of its abilities, it's still gonna exile itself if it would die, okay? And you're still gonna have to exile it at the beginning of the next end step. All right, seems that, pretty oh, good. That that bit about, uh, you know, it. Exile is part of uh, the unearth is part of its ability is is granting the object to haste. That's really important because if you look very carefully at the reminder texts for the two different cards that we've already talked about, uh, the research desk, which is only an artifact, the reminder text in there does not actually mention haste. It's because it's really not germane to it under normal circumstances, but it's re it's important to remember that it, it does exist. Yeah, and it, I think if you put, if they put, it has haste on it, people would be like, why, why is it why? giving the why? artifact yeah. haste? Right, right. right. And, but we just went through a set where we could, we could turn artifacts into creatures. So um, it's yeah. important to remember that. Yeah, and and we actually just went through a set that could turn like milk bottles into, into artifact creatures. If you put the right stickers on them. Stickers are great. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is a lesson for for judges in general. The reminder text is there to remind you of what the rules are. They are not a full comprehensive rules entry. Okay, sounds so, great. Yeah. So what's next? Fair well, well, we have some some uh, power stone tokens, and uh, we have a, a card here that is Falaji Ex Excavation for three and two green. It's a sorcery. 
and it states, create three tapped Power Stone tokens, you gain three life. And the reminder text there is tokens are artifacts with tap, uh, add uh, colorless mana. This mana can't be uh, spent to cast a non-artifact spell. So Power Stones are predefined tokens, kind of like clues and, and, and other ones. It's introduced in Dominaria United, but not heavily used. They are used more in this set, though. To clarify that this mana can't be spent to cast a non-artifact spell means that this mana can't be used for artifact spells. Uh, any activated ability, play, paying costs and triggered abilities, ward costs, etc. All cards in Bro create tapped Power Stone tokens, but them being created tapped is part of the effect, not part of the rules that make Power Stone tokens. Right? Right. Yeah, I'm thinking they... Because treasures, a lot of effects that create treasures create them untapped. So creating the Power Stone tokens tapped kind of brings the power level down. Right. Yeah. It does help. Yeah. So they're just, they're probably, and I made this comment the last time when we did Dominaria United. They're, they're realistically, they just did this probably to get us an actual sense of how powerful it was before they start creating them untapped. Well, that's stunning. <laughs> uh, stunning. Yes. Next up, we have stun counters. Um, here's an example with involuntary cooldown for three and a blue. It's a sorcery. Tap up to two target artifacts and or creatures. Put two stun counters on each of them. If a permanent with a stun counter would become untapped, remove one from it instead. So that's that. If a tapped permanent with a stun counter on it would become untapped for any reason, a stun counter will be removed from it instead. Um, this is a replacement effect, not a trigger. So you just do it. Um, if a permanent has more than one stun counter on it, only one is removed. Abilities that trigger when a permanent quote-unquote becomes untapped won't trigger if a stun counter was removed instead. Because it didn't become untapped, a, a stun counter was removed. Duh. Um, however, if the cost for an ability includes untapping a tapped permanent and that permanent has a stun counter, you can still pay that cost by removing the stun counter. That's not intuitive to me. Good to know. Good to be reminded of. <laughs> Stun counters are not keyword counters, so causing a creature to lose abilities does not remove the stun. Anytime I anytime I see stun counters, just stun things on magic cards, I always think of like pocket sand. <laughs> pocket sanded. <laughs> I have no explanation for that. Anyway, carry on. The neat thing about stun counters to me is that uh, we did get them in Dominaria United and we're getting them again here. Um, I don't think it's quite, you know, entering into the world of evergreen ability, but I think it's something that we're going to see. Uh, if we've seen it twice now, I think we'll see it a couple of more times at least as, as R&D tries to figure out whether or not this is a, a strong ability. Um, I really liked it in Dominaria United in limited play, so I'm, I'm hoping that we continue to get this. I think it's a neat mechanic. So now we're going to skip over talking about the Transformers with their new keyword action convert which is sort of like transform only not because i guess they couldn't put the word transform on transformers robots like, in disguise like really come on now anyway anyway we'll talk about the card specific we're gonna first talk i'll start talking about alloy animist alloy animist <laughs> please <laughs> oh <For>, wow <laughs> for a single green mana you get a one one human druid that has an ability that says two and a green until end of turn target non-creature artifact you control becomes a four four artifact creature all right as this ability resolves 
the permanent, uh, the target permanent is going to keep uh, the types and subtypes it had before it became an artifact creature. Okay, and so there is a specific rule that we that we bring up where if something becomes, if an effect says it's now a creature, then it's going to lose its other types and become a creature. If an effect says you become a land, you lose your other types and become a land. But there's a specific call out in the rules that says if you become an artifact creature, you retain all of your previous types. So if your target non-creature artifact is, say, an artifact land, and you use this ability, you're going to get a 4-4 artifact creature land. Okay? Clear as mud? Uh, Clear enough. Clear enough for government work? Yep. Uh, But yes, that is a special rule for when something becomes an artifact creature. Yeah, of like a really arcane rule way back in the day. I don't know. We might have to proxy that. Y'all, come on with it. Please. No, we're going to keep doing it, and you have to keep doing it too, Sama. No. Start, th- start thinking of your pun. It's a, it's I'm, too, we're, I'm too young and beautiful for this. You got you to gotta figure, figure it out. We're in an arms race now. You need to have... Oh, my God, oh. stop. What? Oh, the audacity. Oh, my God. Please go back. Go go do your card quick before Brian continues. Working on it. Working on it. I, I got to stop laughing long enough to do it. Right. You're uh, in the so- blast zone now. Yeah, <laughs> so we've got Arcane Proxy uh, for seven mana. It's an artifact creature wizard that says when Arcane Proxy... Oh, it's a 4-3. Uh, that says when Arcane Proxy enters the battlefield, if you cast it, exile target instant or sorcery card with mana value less than or equal to Arcane Proxy's power from your graveyard. Copy that card. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. Now, this is also a prototype card, so you can cast it uh, instead of casting it for seven, you can cast it for one and two blue to get a uh, arcane proxy prototype, and it's a two one. Uh, this copy is cast while the ability is resolving. Um, if you cast a spell without mana costs, you don't get to elect to pay the alternative costs. You are allowed to pay additional costs, such as kicker. If there are any mandatory additional costs, they must be paid. Uh, if the spell you choose has an X in the mana cost, X is zero. The choice to ca- the, the choice to cast the copy is a May ability, so it's not required. The copy will be cleaned up by state-based actions uh, if you choose not to do it. If you figure out a way to make Arcane Proxy's power to be less than the mana value of the targeted card as it was resolving, then the target is illegal. The card won't be exiled and no copy is cast. Yeah, because the, right. the target the target criteria is no longer valid. Yep. Yep. All right. I guess I'll be part of this arms race. So the next card is arms race. It is three and a red. It's an enchantment. Um, it's got an activated ability for three and a red. You may put an artifact card from your hand onto the battlefield. That artifact gains haste. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So our, our note here is that you only sacrifice the artifact at the end of the next end step if you control it. If the artifact left the battlefield and came back, you don't sacrifice it as the game sees it as a new object, of course. So they had the audacity to make a worse, I guess maybe better, Rancor. Uh, So the next card is Audacity. For one in a green, it is an enchantment aura, enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two, plus zero, and has trample, just like Rancor. 
And it says, when Audacity is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, draw a card. Not draw a card, just draw a card. Draw a card. Draw a card. Uh, the, in the Oracle text, they've already fixed it, but they didn't call that out in the release notes that, that this card has errata. I mean, listen, that, that's it, good enough. Draw a card. Draw a card. Okay, so this trigger only works if Audacity was on the battlefield when uh, the Audacity was put into the, gra- uh, put into the graveyard. Okay, so if you cast Audacity as a spell and try and put it on uh, your uh, arcane proxy and someone kills your arcane proxy in response, well, Audacity is going to go to the graveyard because it doesn't have a doesn't have a target anymore, and you're not going to get to draw a card. Blast it. Uh, <laughs> have I told you how much fun I'm having? I, I mean, really, I, I am having an absolute blast zone. Yeah. Um, so, so, so the next card is Blast Zone. Um, it's a land, and it has the following text. Blast Zone enters the battlefield with a charge counter on it. Uh, you can tap it to add a colorless mana. For X, X, and tap, you can put X charge counters onto Blast Zone. And for three and a tap, you can sacrifice Blast Zone to destroy each non-land permanent with mana value equal to the number of charge counters on Blast Zone. So uh, an important note is the XX activation cost may seem weird to new players, but you're paying twice X. So if X is equal to, you're paying four mana to activate that second ability. Uh, Tokens that aren't a copy of something else have no mana cost which the game sees as mana value zero. If a permanent only has X as its mana cost, it's zero as well. That feels pretty, that feels pretty stalwart. Oh, come on. <laughs> I was like, you can't even think of anything for this one, surely. Like, if it, oh, all right. You can do it. Just be Sit. stalwart in your faith that you'll figure something out. I don't, this way I don't want to hang out with you two. <laughs> are you not, are you not coming up with a, a joke? A null? Like, it's just a big null. <laughs> Sentinel Stalwart is a creature elf druid soldier that costs one, just costs a green. And it's got an activated ability, tap, and then tap an untapped artifact or creature you control, and you can add one mana of any color. Isn't that cute? Um, any untapped artifact or creature can be tapped. You don't have to tap a creature that you've controlled continuously since the turn started. However... Sentinel Stalwart must have been in your control continuously since the start of your turn, unless you've given it haste, because because it has to tap. Yeah. Okay. I'm so I'm I'm gonna level with you. This, this you know whole dad <laughs> joke thing is really getting to me. Is it? Is it getting to you? I'm I've been trying. You know, if I could if I could escape, I would. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the next card that we're gonna talk about is actually the best leveler that they have printed in the game so far. Prior to this, the best leveler was Leveler. Okay, but now Cityscape Leveler takes the title of the best leveler in the set. So for eight mana, you get an 8-8 artifact creature construct with Trample. When you cast this city, or sorry, when you cast this city, when you cast this spell, and whenever Cityscape Leveler attacks, destroy up to one target non-land permanent. Its controller creates a tapped Power Stone token. So Cityscape Leveler cannot level Cityscapes because you're only destroying a target non-land permanent. 
and it has unearth of eight colorless but that's all we're going to talk about we're just going to talk about how it can't uh level uh, uh cities no uh, so I, I, the triggered ability what i i cannot wait for the secret layer of this with mecha godzilla in the art didn't they, haven't they already done a mecha? I don't, I don't know, but we need to do it again if we have. They did, they did a mecha. That, that would be a great. That would be a great name for a mecha Godzilla. Right, cityscape leveler. Uh, just. I mean, that's, just it's speaks, accurate. It just speaks to me. So the triggered ability of our cityscape leveler doesn't trigger when you use the unearth ability from the graveyard, because remember we said when you cast the spell or whenever it attacks, an unearth is not casting. However, you got you done got haste. So you're probably going to be attacking. So there you go. That's, that's, I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing for this one. Your own, your own, Charles. Well, that that's okay because. I wasn't going to fabricate it, a bad pun. Uh, that's okay. We'll just defabricate it instead. There you go. Um, <laughs> defabricate for one in a blue is an instant. So you get to choose one. You can either counter target artifact or enchantment spell. If a spell is countered that way or this way. Exile instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. Or you can counter target activated or triggered ability. So it's important to note a few things here. Uh, activated abilities contain a colon and are formatted as cost colon effect. Some keyword abilities such as equip and unearth are actually activated abilities. You'll find the colon in the reminder text for some of those. Uh, triggered abilities, of course, start with when, whenever, or at. Uh, Turn-based actions, special actions like card draw or combat damage can't be targeted. Mana abilities also can't be targeted. And the last mode of the spell can target delayed triggers. The release notes specifically point this out because it can target the delayed trigger ability that exiles an unearthed permanent at the beginning of the next end step. If that ability is targeted, the permanent doesn't actually leave the battlefield, but if some effect causes it to leave the battlefield or it dies, then it would still be exiled. And uh, with that, uh, I think we, we found another card. Next up, we have Drafna, founder of Latinam. For <laughs> one and a blue, legendary creature, human, artificer, advisor. It's a 2-1. Uh, it's got two activated abilities. The first one is one and a blue. Return target artifact you control to its owner's hand. The second one is three and tap. Copy target artifact spell you control. And the copy becomes a token. Cool, so let's have fun with copying stuff. Uh, resolving the second ability means the resolving permanent becomes a token, but it's not actually created, quote-unquote. Emphasis on the word created. So doubling season's replacement effect won't actually see the token as being created and will not make another token. Boo. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> if an effect copies a prototype spell, that copy will have the same characteristics as the prototype spell. As one might expect. So let's go ahead and forge on, Brian. All right. So the next card is Dwarven Forge Chanter. It is a 1-3 dwarf wizard for one and a red with ward pay two life. Just a reminder, ward is whenever this creature becomes a target of a, target of a spell or ability and opponent controls. Counter that spell unless that player pays the ward cost, which in this case is two life. And it has prowess. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, this creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So whenever you cast a spell, it gets plus one, plus one. And whenever they cast a spell targeting your Forge Chanter, they got to pay two life. Okay? So any spell any spell cast that isn't a creature uh, creature type is going to ca cause prowess to trigger. Okay? If the spell has multiple types and creatures one of those types, 
it's not a non-creature spell, okay? Also, playing lands, not a spell. Um, prowess, when Prowess triggers, it actually goes on the stack above the spell that causes it tr tr yeah, to trigger. So if I were to cast, um, you know, something uh, something like uh, uh, Defabricate, all right, the Prowess trigger is actually going to go on the stack above the Defabricate. Not that it matters in this particular case, but there could be some emergency case where it does matter. Um, if the spell that caused Prowess to trigger gets countered, well, that Prowess trigger is still going to resolve, right? Weld, what do yeah. you say about that? Weld, weld, weld. Weld, weld, weld. <laughs> so uh, I guess we're going to talk about Emergency Weld now. Uh, emergency Weld for one in a black is a sorcery. Uh, and it states, return target artifact creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Create a 1-1 one, one colorless soldier artifact creature token. And this is just two points here. Uh, the first is that you need to have a valid target in the graveyard to cast Emergency Weld, which makes sense. And then you just uh, do if, it for the token. You, you can't just do it for the token. Do it for the and, token. Oh, well, okay. But not today. Um, if Emergency Weld's target is removed or becomes an illegal target before it resolves, you don't get the token. Sad, sad, sad. Oh, uh, but you, and you can't even excavate for it. Next up is Feldon Ronum Excavator. For one and a red, legendary creature, human artificer. It's a 2 2 with haste. Felden Ronom Excavator can't block. Whenever Felden is dealt damage, exile that many cards from the top of your library. Choose one of them. Until the end of your next turn, you may play that card. So the note here is you, you must pay all costs and follow the normal timing restrictions for a spell cast off of Felden's trigger. I, I don't have a single good joke for this next one. No. Man, I'm, I'm out of practice. I, I gotta like really like learn how to play this dad joke game. Aww. <laughs> uh... That's unfortunate. All right. Well, the next card is Giant Cinder Maw for two and a red. It is a 4-3 dinosaur beast. Trample. Players can't gain life. Okay, so abilities or spells that cause players to gain life will still resolve normally. Okay, but players' life totals will simply not increase. Okay, other effects of the spell or ability will still happen. Now, what's funny is there's actually a card that has a cost of your opponent gaining life. It's a it's a wall uh, from Cold Snap with cumulative upkeep. Uh, player gains player gains life. You can't pay that cost. If players can't gain life, you can't pay that cost. So you would have to sacrifice. Well, yeah. You'd have to sacrifice that wall. It's like called Wall of Shards or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if paying the cost is, hey, they got to gain some life and they can't gain life, well, then you can't pay that cost. Um, now, if a an eff also, if an effect sets a life total to higher than the current life total, um, that's essentially gaining life. And so your uh, the life total doesn't change. Okay, so setting your life total to 20 when you're at 10 is gaining 10 life. But since you can't gain life, uh, it really doesn't matter who you pray to <laughs> I was wondering how he was going to do this one. Very good. Well played. Oh, well played. You. Thank you. I was about golf, to say, y'all, go on. Golf clap. Golf clap. <laughs> um, so we have a Gix, Yawgmoth Praetor, for one and two black. Legendary creature, Prexian, pra Phyrexian Praetor, for, and it's a 3-3. Three, three. Uh, and it says, whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, 
its controller may pay one life. If they do, they draw a card. And then it also has an ability uh, that is four and three black and discard X cards. You get to exile the top X cards of target opponent's library. You may pay, play lands and cast spells from among cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. Wow, that seems, that seems pretty good. Um, with the final ability, you must cast or play cards as you resolve the ability. They can't be played later in the turn or later in the game. You, know, you, you have to do it right away. Um, you may only play a land if you've not already played a land for turn. And if a, if a spell has X in the mana cost uh, under that ability, X is zero. And, and I just feel... I just feel absolutely flayed by by the art on that card. It's just beautiful. Next, we have Gixian Skull Flayer for two and a black. It's a two, three creature Phyrexian human assassin. At the beginning of your upkeep, if there are three or more creature cards in your graveyard, put a plus one, plus one counter on Gixian Skull Flayer. Oh, let's, let's sing along. This really should have a jingle. For triggers with intervening ifs, we check when triggered. And on resolution, I will come up with a good jingle for that. That's, that's probably necessary for myself. If there aren't three or more creatures both times, no counter is placed on Skull Flayer. All right, so let's let's keep let's keep running with the with the next yeah. cards. Yeah. <laughs> we, we check we check when triggered and on resolution. It, there's got to be something yeah, there. there. <laughs> there's got to be something. All right, got to work it yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, that was a blast to come up with. Um, Goblin Blast Runner for. Uh, a single red is a 1-2 goblin. Goblin Blast Runner gets plus 2, plus 0, oh, and has menace as long as you sacrificed a permanent this turn. All right. If Goblin Blast Runner enters later in the turn after a permanent was sacrificed, it still gets the bonus. Okay? It doesn't have to be on the battlefield when it was sacrificed. Also, you can't just sacrifice a whole mess of, a whole mess of artifacts and think you're going to get, like, plus 2, plus 2, plus 0 each time. All right. Like, you might be able to justify that in an EDH game. Maybe, possibly, but it'd be some real hostile negotiations. <laughs> uh, the politics of EDH. Yeah. Um, so, hostile negotiations is a instant for three and a black, and it has the following confusing rule text. Please follow along carefully. Exile the top three cards of your library in a face-down pile. Then exile the top three cards of your library in another face-down pile. Look at the cards in each pile, then turn a pile of your choice face up. An opponent chooses one of these piles, one of those piles. Put that pile into your hand and the other pile into your graveyard. You lose three life. Wow. Um, so you've got these two different piles. And what's important to note is that if you have fewer than six cards in your library, uh, your second pile will only be the cards left over after you've made your first pile. So you could have a pile of three cards and a pile of two cards. If you have three or fewer cards in your, uh, I've got a note here, in your library, you won't get a second pile. You can always choose to just reveal the empty pile and hope your opponent chooses to send that one to your graveyard. Let us know how that works out for you at judgecast.email.com. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, with, with that, I, I, f I feel like I have really transformed. I've, I've, I've morphed into a, a higher consciousness. Yeah, you really broke the fourth wall there. It was all very meta. Um, <laughs> so next up, we have Hulking Metamorph 
for nine. It's an artifact creature shapeshifter, seven, seven. Or it can do its little prototype version, which prototype two blue blue makes it a three, three. But if you cast its regular version, you may have hulking metamorph enter the battlefield as a copy of an artifact or creature you control, except it's an artifact creature in addition to its other types. And its power and toughness are equal to hulking metamorph's power and toughness. Sweet. So with the exception of it being an artifact creature and the power toughness, it copies what was printed on the original permanent and nothing else, unless it was a token. It doesn't copy whether it was tapped or untapped, had counters or auras, or any non-copyable effects that changed the power, toughness, types, color, and so on. Um, so use the appropriate power toughness, 3-3 or 7-7, to determine the resulting copy effect. Um, if the permanent has X in its mana cost, X equals zero. If the chosen permanent is itself a copy, hulking metamorph ETBs as whatever the permanent was copying. If the chosen permanent is a token, it copies the characteristics of the token. But hulking, Meta hulking metamorph does become a token in the process. I don't do think I realized that. Does doesn't that should be does not right? Oh, thank God! I was like, does it? Since when? So so it does not become a token in the process. Typo. That's my fault. Okay, I was like, that's news to old Sama. <laughs> Glad to see that happens to somebody else. <laughs> news to Sama. <laughs> Never seen. I feel I feel anyway. like I'm that 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 one meme of. Uh... Leonardo DiCaprio like pointing at the screen like oh ooh. <laughs> someone else made a typo fair enough alright any ETB abilities of the chosen permanent will trigger when hulking metamorph comes into play if hulking metamorph is entering the battlefield as more as, as more or more other creatures what what does that mean um, Hulk is entering the battlefield as one or more as one or as more I'm as, guessing. Okay. Yep, if Hulking yep. Metamorph yeah, is go, that, entering that the battlefield thing, as yeah. one or more other creatures, it can't see them and choose to copy them. The chosen permanent must already be on the battlefield. Um, you don't have to choose a permanent. The ability is a May ability. Wow, we're really in the trenches with that one. We are. And we're going to be even more in the trenches when we talk about in the trenches. <laughs> For one white white <laughs> is an enchantment. Creatures you control get plus one plus one. And for five, for six whole mana, five and a white, you can exile target non-land permanent you don't control until in the trenches leaves the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery and only once. All right, in the trenches. Let's 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 get in here. So that so the first ability creatures you control get plus one plus one. Woo wee. That's not the interesting one. It's the six mana exile target non-land permanent. Um, so this is a single ability that actually does two things. Uh, it's going to create two one-shot effects. One is the one that exiles uh, the permanent, and the other one is the effect that returns it to the battlefield when In the Trenches leaves. Okay. Now, if In the Trenches leaves the battlefield before that ability resolves, he's like, you can't play that game that you can with Oblivion Ring where you put the ability on the, you know, you put the ability on the stack and then you... Yeah, exile Oblivion Ring, and then the, the thing is supposed to enter the battlefield before it leaves the battlefield, so it leaves and stays, and none of that, none of that stuff. I realize you're probably listening from your car, and you're like, what did he just say? Point is, it doesn't matter. If In the Trenches leaves the battlefield before the non-land permanent you were trying to exile is exiled, it stays where it is. It doesn't, that non-land permanent isn't going to get exiled, Okay. Uh, if you decide to exile a token, 
Additional tokens in exile cease to exist. Um, in a multiplayer game, if the owner of In the Trenches leaves the game, then the exile card's going to come back, right? Because In the Trenches uh, leaves the battlefield. Um, if the ability is countered before resolving, uh, you cannot do it again during the game. So when it says activate this ability only once, if it's activated, it doesn't matter if it gets countered or defabricated or whatever. Does defabricate get this? Uh, let me scroll up. Will defabricate yeah. get this? Counter target yes. spell. Ah, yep, it's an activated ability. So defabricate would defabricate it. And then if in the, tr in the trenches leaves the battlefield and comes back, that's a new object. Right? So you can activate it again. But since it left the battlefield, the thing that it exiled probably also came back. Right? So. I, w I would think so. Yeah, I would, I would, I would think so as, as well. <laughs> I'm hoping that I would be set up to, to smooth right in like a nice, good uh, pun, something with a, you know, a commanding presence to it. But I'm just not coming up with anything. Okay. I just want to just slide into the next card somehow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just wait. The two of you, yeah. I swear. <laughs> uh, so we have Kayla's Command for one and two white. It's a sorcery. And you get to choose two. There are four different effects. So the first is create a 2-2 two -two colorless construct artifact creature token. The second is put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature you control. It gains double strike until end of turn. The third one is search your library for a basic planes card. Reveal it. Put it into your hand. Then shuffle. And then the fourth is you gain two life and scry two. Uh, what's important to point out here is, is none of the four modes target. In cases such as this, you don't actually choose, choose which card would be getting counters until the spell resolves. So that's really, really neat. I, I, I like that. Did, Brian, do you, uh, Sam, do you hear that? Can, can you hear that? It's, it's like this. <laughs> it's, well, no, sometimes it's all very liberating, wouldn't yeah, you say? <laughs> it is. There's other commands that there's like one other command that we're going to be talking about that does actually have a mode, a single mode that targets. So that means if that target's going to get removed, then the whole command is going to get countered, and it's very liberating to not have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, that's some that's have. some really big head thinking there. The art on this card, Liberator Urza's Battle Thopter. Three for a legendary artifact creature Thopter. It's a one-two. Um, I listen, I just want to say the art on this card, that is that is terrifying. It, this looks like one of those things that's like, oh, this is a this is a biblically accurate depiction of an angel or something, you know? Like, be not afraid. You know what the, it kind of reminds me of the old little racer cars that you get from the McDonald Happy Meal? What on have, earth like, did you ever get from a Happy Meal that looked like this? Where so, you would have like the little, the little, what, uh, the little IP character in the race car, and it would have the big head sticking out of the top. So, so the set also has Transformers cards. I don't know why we aren't making this connection. That that one Transformer that's got like the five faces that flip around. That oh, the Quintessons. Yeah, that that head looks just like one of those, doesn't it? Introduced in the Five Faces of Darkness, the five-part miniseries from 1987? Nerd. <laughs> Ooh, that was a year Look, I was man, when I was a kid, Transformers was my whole identity. Not okay. not such a bad one of all things yeah. you could have chosen in 1987. Right. right. Um, all right, so, so this thing has flash, flying. You may cast colorless spells and artifact spells as though they had flash. Ooh. 
Whenever you cast a spell, if the amount of mana spent to cast that spell is greater than Liberator Urza's Battle Thopter's power, put a plus one plus one counter on Liberator. So the, the third ability only applies to casting spells. Whew. The third ability only applies to casting spells. It has no effect on timing restrictions for activated abilities of artifact spells. And the last ability cares about the actual amount of mana used to cast the spell, not the mana cost. So what, whatever you actually paid for it. Right. With, with that first one, what happens sometimes, I think, is that, you know, an activated ability will tell you that you can only do it at sorcery speed. And, and the important thing is, is that it doesn't actually do anything with those. Well, that's pretty fair. Yeah. All right. The next card that we're going to talk about is Mechanized Warfare. For one red red, it is an enchantment. It says, if a red or artifact source you control would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, it deals that much plus one instead. All right. So you, you add one damage as coming from the original source. Okay, that red or artifact source is dealing damage. Mechanized Warfare is not the source of the one damage. The, the OG source gets the plus one. That's where it's coming from. All right. This is a replacement effect. And if there are multiple replacement effects that alter damage being dealt, the player affected by the damage gets to choose uh, the order to apply. So if there is another, if there is another effect that says, if you have another effect that says, if a red source you control would deal damage to an opponent, uh, double that damage instead. Okay. And I'm going to hit someone for five damage. I'm going to hit Sama for five damage. All right. What do you mean? Sama's, yeah. Sama's going to get to decide whether... I do five, whether I apply, which replacement effect applies first. I mean, both of them are going to need to apply, but she gets to decide if I'm going to plus one and then double it, or if the damage is going to be plus one and then doubled, so for 12, or are we going to double it and then plus one for 11? So, Sama, do you want uh, 12 damage or one damage, or 11 damage, rather? I don't want any damage at all. Okay, emotional damage. <laughs> all right emotional damage yeah so let's also make this a little bit even more complicated if a spell lets you divide up damage okay you do the dividing before you add the plus one so let's say you have a spell that lets you divide four damage up anyway amongst any number of targets you say i'm gonna do i'm gonna do four damage to uh i'm gonna do four targets so each one's gonna get one okay uh then i'm gonna i'm gonna do one 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 and if it's coming from a red source, I get to add another one. So it'll actually end up being two, 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 two. Okay. And we could do a whole bunch of other examples like mixing and matching and, and changing how these uh, this damage gets divided up and then the, how the plus ones uh, apply. But since this is just a Brothers War release notes, I'm going to shield you from the complexities of multiple replacement effects. Wow. So Give it your mural. best shot. Yeah, I know. It was that was okay. It was okay. So mural shield of argive or argive, argive, Probably argive, <laughs> argive. I don't know. We'll have to get the uh, notes on that. He's not wearing the right socks for it to be from argive. Is it, for for three noy is a legendary creature human soldier that's a three four. It has the following text: During your turn, your opponents can't cast spells or activated abilities of artifacts, creatures, or enchantments. Whenever Mural Shield of Argive attacks, create X11 colorless soldier artifact creature tokens. Well, that's a lot of text. Where X is the number of soldiers you control. Uh, so the first ability affects activated uh, abilities of artifacts, creatures, or enchantments, but it 
doesn't prevent Planeswalker abilities. So if you can somehow activate them on your opponent's turn, good on you. I'm sure somebody out there has figured it out. Uh, it also doesn't affect activated abilities of cards in graveyards or in exile. Neat. I, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm starting to feel a little obstinate. This is. This is getting to me. The, these wow, weird that, names. I mean, that card did have Bayloth of text. <laughs> 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 that was terrible. I went wow. for it though. I couldn't not I do it. So, it was so, so bad. I appreciate so how you committed to that. It was. I. I, I, it, I can't. I can't not. I had that's to. That really All right, next you, we got... That really made you one with the multiverse there. That was, that was impressive. Ah! <laughs> All right, next up we have Obstinate Bayloth. Uh, you know, an, an, an old favorite for two green-green creature beast 4-4. Four, four. When Obstinate Bayloth enters the battlefield, you gain four life. If a spell or ability an opponent controls causes you to discard Obstinate Bayloth, you put it onto the battlefield instead of putting it into your graveyard. Y'all, y'all know this card. Um, if the spell or ability an opponent control causes you to choose and discard a card, even though you chose Obstinate Bayloth, the source was the one that your opponent controlled. So, also, if you start to discard Obstinate Bayloth and put it on the battlefield, you still discarded it for the purposes of any triggered abilities that might care about that. All right. Yeah. Next one more up. verse, same as the first. I don't know however that goes. Yeah. Yeah. One. <laughs> The next up is one with the multiverse. For six blue blue, we have an enchant. I'm getting all the enchantments. What? Um, this one has, you may look at the top card of your library at any time. Asterisk. You may play lands and cast spells from the top of your library. Once and then once during each of your turns, you may cast a spell from your hand or the top of your library without paying its mana cost. All right, so first off, you may look at the top card of your library at any time. That's not exactly true. In the middle of casting a spell, you may not look at the top card of your library. All right? So that's just when you're going through the steps of casting the spell. No no looky. All right. So you still got to follow all the timing rules uh, to play lands and cast spells off that second ability. You know, the one that says you may play lands and cast spells from the top of your library. Okay. So you can't, like, play lands during your untap step or whatever. All right. If so, so uh, one with the multiverse says once during each of your turns, you may cast a spell from your hand or the top of your library without paying its mana cost. All right. If one with the multiverse is flickered, it's a new object. So you can cast a spell with the last ability again. And if uh, if you have another copy. OK, uh, so if you control more than one with one one with the multiverse, so you're two with the multiverse. Each one's last ability, um, uh, sorry, each one's last ability applies independently. So you can cast a spell without paying its mana cost once for each of them during each of your turns. Now you gotta you gotta keep track of which which one of the one with the multiverse you cast with, because if something happens to one of the ones with the multiverse then we need to track which one of the ones with the multiverse you cast the spell of for free, right? So if I use one multiverse one, and it lets me cast an extra spell for free, and I haven't cast my my extra spell with one of the multiverse two, and then one of the multiverse one gets destroyed, I've just confused myself. 
<laughs> that, that, that's okay, but I, I just yeah. don't see it. I, I I don't get it. I mean, there can be only one. No, apparently it's not legendary. <laughs> there can be two or four. You could be four with the multiverse. Yas, queen. Oh my god, please. <clears throat> so, Queen <laughs> Kayla Bin Krug for one a red and a white slay is a, is a is is a legendary creature human noble. She's a two three. So it, she has um, one activated ability, and for four and, and tap, you would discard all the cards in your hand, then draw that many cards. You may choose an artifact or creature card with mana value one. You discarded this way. Then do the same for an artifact or creature cards with mana values 2 and 3. Return those cards to the battlefield. You can only activate this as a sorcery. So you may choose up to 3 cards with this, this ability. They all enter the battlefield simultaneously, which is important if cards are looking at each other for copy effects, which we've already heard about earlier today. Uh, if a replacement effect causes you to discard to exile rather than go to the graveyard, Queen Kayla's ability still can still find those cards to put on the battlefield. That seems weird. Let's see why. This is because zone change triggers like this can find the cards in the zone they end up in. They didn't go to the graveyard and then to exile. They were essentially discarded to exile. Fascinating. Yeah, the the old question that we used to ask L1s a lot was uh, there was a card called It That Betrays. Mm -hmm. and I don't remember that one. Yeah, and it basically, you have to sacrifice, it has like Annihilator 2, and then you get to get uh, a permanent back that was sacrificed, right? But then if you had like Leyline of the Void out, when you go to sacrifice, instead of going to the graveyard, it gets exiled instead, right? Well, It the Betrays can still see the sacrificed permanent in exile because it's a, a, a zone change trigger, Okay. Um, this is a little bit different than something like dies, which is specifically looking for it going to the graveyard. Okay. Right. In this particular case, it's just asking about cards that were discarded. And since you discarded to exile in, in, in one of these cases where you have something, since you discarded to exile, it can still find the card that you discarded, even though it's not in the place that you would normally expect to find discarded cards. I, I get it. I get it. I, I think, though, that with this increased understanding on my part, I, I think I deserve a raise. Yeah, straight into the ground, man. Straight <laughs> into the ground. So raise to the ground, two and a red, sorcery. Um, this spell can't be countered. Destroy target artifact. If its mana value was one or less, draw a card. See, I love red artifact hate cards. I really, really do. So... Our notes say this is going to cause some problems. No, it won't. Uh -huh. This card's amazing. Settle down. This rules. <laughs> we'll read why it says say it's going to cause some problems there, Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this thing can power through a ward trigger due to it having can't be countered. But if the target, <laughs> but if the target artifact is gone when raised to the ground tries to resolve, it's not countered, but it doesn't resolve. You just kind of awkwardly put it in the graveyard and don't draw a card. Everybody just pretends it never happened and you move on. <laughs> <laughs> right, and that's where it's gonna. That's where it's gonna be awkward. If that artifact gets destroyed, then we say, "Oh, the spell gets countered on resolution for for lack of target." But that's. But then you go, "Well, but it can't be targeted, so I still get to draw the card." The issue is when you lose the last target, the spell's not countered. It's just put in the graveyard and removed from the stack. We just yep. say it was countered because that's what the rule said six, seven years ago, 
and we just colloquially have continued to use it. That's why it's going to cause problems. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Sarnith Steelseeker for one and a green. It's a one-two human artificer scout. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. If you don't, if you don't, oh, sorry, if you don't put the card into your hand, you may put it into your graveyard. Okay, so here's the thing. Where it says, if it's a land card, you may reveal it and put it in your hand. You don't got to. If it's a land card, you don't got to reveal it. You don't got to put it in your hand. And if you don't put the card in your hand, you may put it in the graveyard. So maybe you want that land in the graveyard. Maybe there's a good reason for it. Don't know why. We're judge cast, not strategy cast. We're not going to tell you what to do. You make up your own mind. All right. So I'm done talking about this. How about we let Little Miss Muffet talk about this next card? Wow. Wow. Little Miss Muffet sat on Little... her puppet. Yeah. Eating her curds away. When along came a skyfisher spider who sat Ew. down beside her and said, Hey, I'm a two for black and a black and a green uh, for a creature spider that's a three three with reach. And I have the following abilities. When Skyfish or Spider enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature. When you do, destroy target non-land permanent. When Skyfish or Spider dies, you may gain one life for each creature card in your graveyard if you do exile Skyfish or Spider from your graveyard. So first, the first triggered ability is a reflexive trigger. Uh, that's the first one of those we've had tonight, so it bears a little bit of explaining. It doesn't actually have a target, but when it resolves and you sack something, then the destroy por portion triggers and you choose a target then. The opponent doesn't get to know what you're targeting until after you've uh, sacrificed the creature. And and that's about all I have to say about that spotter thopter. I don't know. <laughs> See, you I didn't actually finish anymore. the rhyme. Well, so I, I, I that was a lot. Uh, that was a lot of text. But you didn't actually finish the rhyme. You have to end that with and frightened Miss Muffet away. <laughs> yeah, well, you put him. You put him in a really tight spot there. Come on now. Uh... <sighs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Spotter Thopter for eight. Artifact creature Thopter. It's four five. Um, it's also got its little prototype version for three and a blue. Makes it a two three. But for its regular version. Flying, and when Spotterthopter enters the battlefield, scry X, where X is its power. Neat. So, value of X is determined when the trigger resolves. If Spotterthopter is no longer on the battlefield when it goes to resolve, we use last known information, and now what it is in the graveyard. Speaking of graveyards. Oh, yeah, yeah. speaking of graveyards. Yeah, speaking oh, of graveyards. Oh, there we go. Yes, the next card is the Stasis Coffin. That's all I was going to say. Okay, yeah. Uh, for three colorless <laughs> mana, it is a legendary artifact. This is Taunus's coffin. It's the Stasis coffin. It's so metal. All right. Uh, Stas Stasis coffin. It's three mana, legendary artifact. For two, tap, exile, the Stasis coffin. You gain protection from everything until end of turn. Even bad puns from this podcast. So first off, exiling Stasis Coffin is part of the cost, all right? Uh, protection from everything. Sounds cool. It's not unbeatable. Protection from everything. Let's unpack it. It means three things. One, all damage dealt to the player, probably you, is going to be prevented, okay? Auras can't be attached to that player, so you got any curses on you, they're going to fall off. You can't do any of that stuff. And then you can't be the target of spells or abilities, okay? Um, however, 
and this is where it's it's not all that in a bag of chips. It's if an effect that doesn't target you, like each player discards a card, still going to make you discard a card. You gaining protection from everything doesn't affect your creature, so Wrath of God's still going to kill your stuff. Your creatures can still take damage. They can still be blocked, etc. And if you got a handy-dandy one of those red spells that says, like, hey, this damage can't be prevented, do two damage to something, well, uh, that kind of shuts down the all damage, uh, um, all damage dealt to a player is prevented bit. But this, this kind of thing here can counter a spell. It can, um, uh, uh, it can let you survive an alpha strike kind of thing if someone swings at you. I mean, for three and then later two, this card's a steal. Okay, sir off, sir off. Yeah. Hey, uh, Charles, I got a joke for you. Um, knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. Steal who? Seraph! <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Steal Seraph for six is a 5-4 artifact creature angel uh, that has flying at the beginning of combat on your turn. Target creature you control gains choice of flying, vigilance, or lifelink until end of turn. Uh, it's also one of those fancy prototype creatures. So for one and two white, it can be cast uh, as a 3-3 three, three artifact creature. Uh, the important note here is that the, tar the target creature is chosen when the ability goes on the stack, right? But which ability is granted is chosen as it resolves. So you choose the target creature, um, the ability goes to resolve, and then you say, I want it to have lifelink. And that's what happens. It's, it's a really big brain move. Next up is the Stone Brain for two, a legendary artifact. Uh, two tap exile the Stone Brain. Choose a card name. Search target opponent's graveyard hand and library for up to four cards with that name and exile them. That player shuffles, then draws a card for each card exiled from their hand this way. Activate only as a sorcery. So this has five rulings. Um, the most important one, you can choose the name of a basic land. So you can be that person at draft that chooses the one splash color your opponent has only a few lands of and starve them out of that color. Um, we know who you are and we're sending you a strongly worded letter about your behavior. <laughs> Although I think that is pretty ingenious. <laughs> Get it? Get it? I got it. Get it? N no. Next up is Surge Engine. <laughs> you said ingenious. Ingenious. Like ingenious, but engine. I'm smart, oh. I'm clever. Move along. <laughs> oh. It, it's past Brian's bedtime. No, it's it's fine. I'm I'm old and don't understand things. Uh, <laughs> Surge Engine, for two mana, it's a 3-2 artifact creature construct with Defender. For a blue mana, Surge Engine loses Defender and gains this creature can't be blocked. For two and a blue, Surge Engine becomes blue and has base power and toughness 5-4, activate only if Surge Engine doesn't have Defender, okay? And then for four blue-blue, draw three cards, activate only if Surge Engine is blue and only once. Okay, so that first ability, it says Surge Engine loses Defender and gains this creature can't be blocked. That doesn't have a duration, so when that happens, it's done. So this is kind of like that that long... Uh, uh, they've started doing a lot of cards that kind of have that grow effect like the original figure of Destiny. Okay, if the Defender ability of Surge Engine, however, is removed some other way other than that ability, 
you can still activate uh, you can still activate the ability in order to gain this creature can't be blocked okay but you can also go directly to the second ability and make it a make it a five four okay you can also activate that first ability again so after you make it a five four you can pay that one to give it can't be blocked you can mix and match all you want okay now that last ability which says draw three cards activate only a surge engine is blue and only once that can only be activated once per game and again it doesn't care how Surge Engine became blue, okay? So if you've got a Painter Servant or something, which, hey, isn't that a, a thing? Painter Servant coming up soonish? Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be judge, one of those judge uh, judge, d- those fancy judge promos. It yeah. Coming up yeah, in it is. That's really exciting. I don't mean to, like, toy with your emotions or anything, but I'm kind of pumped about that card. <laughs> but before we go on and talking about the next card... Just also a reminder, if Surge Engine like, gets exiled and comes back into the battlefield, it's going to be a new object. Unfortunately, you're going to have to work your ways through the levels again in order to get back to that point where you can draw the, the three cards, unless you have your Painter Servant. Oh, yeah. Oh, All right. Yeah, you just, you just make your own uh, uh, blue Surge Engine with a Painter Servant. Living the dream. Living the dream. Absolutely. So- so we have a uh, Thanos the Toy Maker for three, a green and a blue. It's a legendary creature, human artificer. It's a three-five, and whenever you cast a beast or bird creature spell, you may copy it. Except that copy is an artifact in addition to its other types. The reminder text there is the copy becomes a token. So a resolving copy of a permanent spell, resolving a copy of a permanent spell will be a token, but the token isn't created. So remember this, kids. It's uh, for effects that care about when tokens are created, like doubling season. The copy remembers all decisions that were made for the original spell, such as values for X and alternate additional costs, and even, yes, even prototype. And and I don't know about you, but my mind is about broken. Are, are, we, are we close to being done? I, we must be almost done. The alphabet works that way, right? I think it. I think we must be. Next up is uh, Terizian Mindbreaker for seven. It's an artifact creature juggernaut. It's a six four. Whenever Terizian Mindbreaker attacks, defending player mills half their library. Rounded up. Holy smokes! It's got unearth for one blue blue blue. Um, so attacking with two of these does not mean you mill the whole library. It's Aww. half and half again. Oh my gosh. Like, listen, y'all. Quick PSA. <laughs> Anybody that has ever worked retail has been like, has absolutely at some point been asked like, I've got two 50% off coupons. Why isn't it free? Because that's not how math works, Dangus. It's half <laughs> and then half again. So don't be fooled. I, I, I did get a little indignant one time when I went to go get some custom framing and I had like a... They were having like a 50% off sale and I had a 30% off coupon. And I was just like, I was like, yeah, because custom framing is like really, really expensive. It's so expensive. It is. It's extremely expensive. So I went there and I was just like, I was like, special and coupon? And they just, they just kind of like, no. (laughs) Got all upset. Because that difference, that extra $15 was like, or 15% was something absurd like, a hundred dollars. It was ridiculous. Custom framing is stupid expensive. Anyway. Well, your your wish was not their command in that case. Oh. Hey. All right. So wait, I already talked about this card 
indirectly. Uh, okay, so it's four. Well, now you get to green. talk about it directly. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about it directly. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna scrap talking about this card. <laughs> All right. So, Tatiana's command for four green green is a sorcery. Uh, you're gonna choose two of the modes: exile target player's graveyard. You gain one life for each card exiled this way. That's going to be a lot of life, probably, because you're probably playing this in Commander. Okay. Uh, search your library for up to two land cards. Not basic land, but land cards. Put them onto the battlefield. Tap, then shuffle. All right. You can put in two 2-2 two, two green bear creature tokens or put uh, two plus one plus one counters on each creature you control. Now, uh, thing about commands, first thing, you do the effects in order. All right, so you're always, let's say you choose the last two modes, uh, create the bear tokens and put the counters. You're always going to create the bear tokens before you put counters on, on each creature you control. You're always going to exile someone's library before you make the bear tokens, etc., etc. Now, out of this list of four things, the first mode is the only mode that targets. So that means if you choose it and that player somehow isn't a legal target on resolution, then you're not going to get the other mode no matter what. All right, and that's yeah. You're just gonna you're just gonna scrap it and go on with your day. Wow. Okay. So he got scrap in there twice, and I, I'm just deeply envious because because I know that what the next card is. And cool. I have no idea what to do with that thing. He's scrapping but here we like go. that. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a Tomacall. Is that Tom, Thomas Tomacall Scrapsmith for two and a red? It's a creature human artificer. It's 2-1. When Tomacall Scrapsmith enters the battlefield, mill three cards. It's a red card and it's milling. What is it doing? You may, you, you may put a artifact card from among those cards milled this way into your hand. If you don't, put a plus one, plus one counter on Tomacall Scrapsmith. How many times can a card reference itself? Uh, to mill a card, put a cop card of your library into your grave. No, no, no. Tomacull, not to mill a card. Tomacull. To card? Tomacull. Maybe We're just going to call it Scrapsmith, okay? Scrapsmith, that's it. Uh, if you decide not to put an artifact card from among the milled cards this way into your hand, you get the counter. Uh, also, even the milled cards are exiled instead of going to the graveyard. E- even if the milled cards are exiled instead of going to the graveyard, the effect can't still apply to the cards milled this way. Excellent. And can't. I have no idea what to do with this, so I'm I think just going to say... I think, that's, I think that's my typo. Oh, can't. The effect can still apply to the milled oh, cards can milled this still. way. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so we found your typo and we found my typo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, <laughs> this is that same thing because it's just it's saying mill... And if you mill to exile, that's still milled. Okay, makes sense. Um, so, so I'm I'm all um, about the silics. Uh, somebody needs to tell me what a silix is. Can I write into Watsi and ask them what a silix is? Well, I thought it was I a mean, silex. They'll, they'll probably say it's a silex. Oh, thank that's, God. That's possible. That's possible. But what's a silex? Is it kind of like a Rolex, only it size more? I I don't know. So Urza Silex specifically. <laughs> uh, three generic, legendary artifact. It's got an activated ability, two white, white, tap, exile Urza Silex. And in doing so, you, uh, let's see, each player chooses six lands they control, destroy all other permanents, activate only as a sorcery. Dang, okay. And then when Urza Silex is put into exile from the battlefield, 
you may pay too. If you do, search your library for a Planeswalker card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Holy smokes. Okay, so timing issue. The triggered ability will resolve before the activated ability. That means you will be searching for a Planeswalker first, and players will know what you got before they have to choose what lands to keep. So, yeah, alright. That's not that scary. I, I can envision how that would still be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so next up is Visions of Phyrexia. For two red red... Oh, geez, it's another enchantment. For two red red... It's an enchantment that says, at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. You may play the card this turn. All right. So before we move on to the second ability, you got to follow all the timing rules for playing that card with that first ability, right? So sorcery cast at sorcery speed, instant cast at instant speed, creature, you know, whatever. All right. And then the second ability says, at the beginning of your instep, if you didn't play a card from exile this turn, create a tapped power stone token. Okay. If you play a card from Exile for any reason, any reason at all, that second ability will not trigger. Doesn't matter if it if it is a different Exiled card. And I believe, like, funny enough, uh, you know, there's a lot of cards that, like, um, actually, I'll talk about that in just a bit. But doesn't matter if the card that you cast from Exile is a different card than the one you Exiled with this ability. Now, okay, here's something kind of cool from a timing perspective. If the exiled card is an instant, the first ability lets you play the card this turn, all right? And that trigger, that triggered ability that creates the Power Stone token, triggers at the beginning of your instep. So you can hold on to that instant, let the beginning of your instep trigger. You haven't played a card from exile yet this turn. You can create your tapped Power Stone token. And then after the ability is resolved, you can play your instant. And you get the best of both worlds. It's... Savage cheats all over the place. That is not a that's that's a pretty that's a pretty powerful powerful move. It's not weak at all. Stone nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so we have gone full circle, and and I just got to say that that last one was just weak. It was. So weak stones subjugation for a blue mana is an enchantment aura. See, you didn't get all the enchantments. You saved one just for me. It's an aura. It's blue. It, it, it is an aura. Uh, it, it enchants artifact or a creature. When weak stone subjugation enters the battlefield, you may pay three. Wait, I thought I was only paying one blue. Uh, if you do, you tap the enchanted permanent, and the enchanted permanent doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. So wait, you can pay one blue and not the three and just have it attached to something and just sit there? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it just you, sits there. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. Wait, yeah. Waiting for them to do something with it, and then, that, then that'll lock it down. Right. Um, you are the controller of weak stone subjugation. If the permanent later becomes tapped, it won't untap during the untap step, even if you didn't pay the three. Oh, that's clever. Okay, so I should read the notes. Um, hmm. Very, very cool. And it's it's got some neat art. One one interesting thing about this, you know how we have in the mist trigger policy, we have we have a special call out for cases like this where they'll have triggers that say like when weak stone subjugation enters the battlefield, tap enchanted permanent like it doesn't have that pay three clause. Right. Right. And we have we have a special case in policy for it for what happens if that trigger was missed somehow right 
yes. in the mistrigger policy. Well, with this, you gotta pay three. That's very visible. Like this actually solves the problem of um of those triggers. Yeah, right? it's, because, it's holy, because it's holy, the three is it's holy on you. Yeah, it's holy uh-huh. on you. It it's, totally. you, it was sitting there and you're you're reading it and you know what you're doing when you're casting that card, whether or not yep. you're paying uh, four mana or whether you're just paying for the the, the one blue. That's interesting. Yeah. I like that. It, it is. And since this can get artifact creatures, like, or artifacts or creatures, like, you can hit, like, mana rocks and stuff like that, too, with this. So, you know, maybe maybe you don't pay the, maybe you just pay the one and don't pay the three, and then just, you either deny them the mana because they don't want to lock down their, their rock, or they, they tap it and then it's stuck. That, that art is very reminiscent of Ben 10, too. I think that's... Oh, it is, actually, yeah. Is that a deep-cut Ben 10? That was that was not a show I watched in particular. I was like, It was, like, just a little after my time, but it, I remember it being pretty cute. Yeah, so what do you guys think about this set? I likes it. He likes I, it. I think it's interesting. I, th- I think it's got a lot going on. I really like the prototype ability. Um, there's an aspect of it that I I don't love from competitive play but i don't know how many of those are going to see see playing competitive what i'm worried about is i'm worried about well i'm worried about if if a player has for whatever reason two or three of the same prototype creatures on this on the battlefield and one they didn't cast as the prototype and they lose track of which one's which and there's an argument over it when when it comes to combat um which which i don't think it's that big of a deal and i think it's easy enough to resolve um just just communicate with your opponent for 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 crying out loud um, but I, I think because of the way that it's set up, I think it, I think it could be viewed as something that could be abused, but I'm not, I'm not sure. It's still very early. I mean, we haven't really played with them yet. So, so that's just an initial impression, but I love, I love the ability. I think it's very clever. I think it's a good design space. Yeah. I do like the fact that they seem to have, well, actually I say I like it. I kind of don't like it. Um, but in a, in a good way. <laughs> By like it, I mean, I Pre- hate it. <laughs> Well, no, it's so previous previous artifact sets, they've kind of let things get away from them. And there's been a lot of powerful cards in there because turns out when you don't stick a mana requirement on cards, they tend to get a little juiced. And a lot of the artifacts in this set, a lot of them uh, have some sort of colored uh, colored component to kind of tamp that down a little bit, tap that down a little bit. So I, I like it from a gameplay from a, a overall health of the game standpoint but i kind of don't like it because i want to jam like really cool artifacts in my decks smash face with them i think when it comes to the autobot cards and the decepticon cards you'll 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 do that anyway just from flavor I, perspectives yeah i, th- I, I think I, those are i think those are really neat i i've looked at it and it's like i'm i clearly have to make an optimus prime deck but it's he, I don't think he's really that good of a card, so I'm kind of like, what am I going to do with this? So if you have suggestions for like a good theme for the Optimus Prime uh, Commander deck, send us an email. I'm so jealous. None of none of my favorite big robot shows are ever going to get anything cool. Because your favorite big robot shows are weird things from the late 70s. That was the best. That was the best era. Anyway, I'm right. Anyway, so... All right, that's our episode. Join us next time when we talk about Magic 30 or the IPG and MTR updates or whatever else crosses our news desk. Uh, Do we have a news desk? Maybe we do. Until then, you can send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at judgecast. Till next time, I'm Samantha Haar and I keep it fair. 
I'm Charles Feather, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prilliman, and I keep my Power Stone tokens tapped. Can you say, Charles you, Charles, you should say that you keep it pun. Oh, oh, yes. That was that whole episode, the whole thing from beginning to end. That was trifling. That was, that was crazy. <laughs> we what? never have to. We never have to do that again. And at the <laughs> same not? time, and at the you same like time, promise me we'll never do time, this again. At the same time, I'm so ready for it. Let's do it. Let's do <laughs> it. It's amazing. Let's do it tomorrow. Right? Why not? It's like I'm ready to do. Let's do uh, the commander cards right now. Let's, let's let's do Come a whole ex, let's do a whole extended episode another another 30 40 minutes yeah absolutely that's you know it'd be quite the march of progress come on let's do it let's do it oh eminent one let's go uh i am stopping recording